We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady. And Martin Paloma. Welcome to another edition of Mind on the Money, presented by Pinnacle. I'm Neil McCready. Martin Paloma joins, as he always does. Thank you to all of you who are making this show a part of your week. It is uh, Thursday morning, February the 17th, 10.22 a.m. Central Standard Time, uh, as we record. We don't have to timestamp as much as we did two years ago when it was like, oh my God, you must timestamp everything. Yeah, that's true. But now, you know, you still, still time. Good practice, right? Still a good practice to let people know when you were recording in case. Yeah, I mean, dude, markets are have been so volatile last couple of days that timestamping it still makes sense market wise. Well, we're going to get to that in a minute. All right. First, I'm going to tell you real quick. I'm coming to you from Clark, the Clark Ford Studios. Uh, the Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Call that number. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for, and he will send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. Right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. What you do with the quote is up to you. I recommend that you do what I've done. Let's hop into a Clark Ford today, 662-257-1900. And Martin, before we get rolling, tell the people about what's going on at Pinnacle and how they can get in touch with you and your fine team. <laughs> Indeed, man. Uh, we are, man, we, are, we, have, uh, we have escaped the year of transition, and we are now, you know, into our year of, of uh of kind of i say clean up clean up sounds like the wrong word but you know we've 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 made huge changes um you know within the company like changing our platform um our technology so we're you know right now we're meeting with clients making sure everything's hooked up everything's working the way it's supposed to do for you know supposed to for clients and then you know we're going through all of their their um projections and cash flows because i think you know folks are getting a little nervous with how choppy things have been um, you know, I'm going to say the last several months cause I'll, or a couple of months, cause since January, you know, it has been, the markets have been real choppy again, which we, we said that in the January shows that we thought this year was going to be choppy and, and, and it has. So folks just want some reassurance that, 
things are okay. And it's funny, man. And I'm not, I'm not picking on anyone in particular because this happens across the board. I even got a text, you know, a few minutes ago from a client that said, you know, we're down X number of dollars for the month. What do we do? And I'm like, we continue on because, because we do make plans for, you know, the long term. not, you know, if we're down 3% or 4% or five or six, uh, cause the things markets change. So we don't make reactions or decisions based on, you know, emotional reactions. And, and I think that's, you know, folks, the last several years, we haven't had choppy markets. Everything's just gone up. Um, and now we're kind of getting into what I would define as normal markets. Cause it used to be in a normal environment, you have volatility. There's months that you win, there's months that you lose. And, you know, at the end of the year, once you cobble everything together, you know, you're up 7% or 8%, not the month, not, not like the last couple of years where it's like, you know, January's up, February's up, March is up and every month is up and you get to the end of the year and you're like, we made 40% this year. Like that's not normal. So uh, we're just kind of readjusting folks back to, you know, what expectations look like in reality. And as we're escaping this, you know, I guess 10, 12 year period of, of uh, not fantasy, but not normal you know, environment. So, um, man, that's kind of, you know, if folks are kind of getting that same reaction where they're going, you know, oh my gosh, last year was so good. And then this year, you know, I'm down six, seven, eight, nine, 10%. And that worries you. That's where we can step in and, you know, and give a lot of, uh, of comfort because, you know, it's, it's not about what happens today. It's about, are we set up for, you know, 20 years from now? And then, you know, there are some folks that just need help getting organized around their plan or they don't have one um you know we've got a a listener that we talked to last week we're really excited about and that was you know that's what that was what he said he's like man i just need you guys to help me organize all this stuff and make it behave and um we're excited about that so if that you know if i described you in my little rant uh give us a call 601-957-0323 or you can email us uh, at info at my p i n n wealth dot com. All right, so you kind of addressed what I'm about to ask you about. <laughs> All right, but I'm going to dive into it because I'm not the only. I'm not. There's no chance. I'm the only person who gets these monthly statements. I've been, yeah, I've been a pretty good little boy. Um, really, for the last I don't know twenty two years, I guess. Putting money back, <clears throat> understanding that one day I would like to retire, will need to retire, won't be able to work. God only knows what happens. Maybe I pass away and I want to make sure that my wife and kids are, are cared for, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And um, the last few years, <laughs> the monthly statement from 401k, uh, it's been good. You know, it's been, yeah. hey, look at that. We made money. Made money. It's like, it's, what are the, the, what were the Geico commercials? It's so easy. A caveman could do it. <laughs> that is the last several years. Investing well, is so easy. Oh, you don't need a professional. You can throw a dart at the wall street journal page and pick good stocks. Yeah. You're probably right. Well, and now we are out of the eye of the storm and into the Northwest wall. Yeah, because this, this month, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to give numbers away, but no, no, absolutely. But, but you're, you're probably down. Um, if you're, if you're a hundred percent stock in the portfolio, I'll give numbers for you. Okay. If you're a hundred percent stock in the, in your portfolio. 
if you're young, really aggressive, you know, you opened your statement and you were down 10 to 13% in January. Uh, um, not, not that and, much, not that much. But, and so if you're kind of 50, 50, you know, 50% stocks, 50% bonds, you probably opened your portfolio and you're down somewhere between four and 7%. There so you for go. every hundred thousand dollars, you're down four to $7,000. There you go. Now we're talking. Yep. Now yep. we're talking. And, 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 and I won't lie to you. I mean, I, I've it made you pucker. Well, maybe not really. You know, I, I, I okay. know enough because, um, my financial guy up here is really good and he's very level headed and, and he reminds me a lot of you, frankly. And, and, um, you know, he was like, uh, you know, and we, we meet once we meet whenever I want to meet, but you know, it's, Hey, the markets are going to ride. You're going to, you're going to rise. You're going to fall. It's, it's just, it's a long run. It's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. All the cliches. That's right. Um, but you know, when you haven't seen red in a while yeah, and suddenly the team's wearing a bright red jersey. You're like, whoa, that is red. Yep. And uh, that was some of that, a little bit of that, like, whoa. You know, and I looked at uh, I looked at my wife's, and, and, and hers was was down a little bit as well. And, um, boy, you go, woof. And then you read headlines, and you see this stuff about, you know, oil and gas prices, and we talked about inflation and Ukraine and, and um, the world. If you, if you allow – if you allow yourself to spend any amount of time on social media, you 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 start questioning the sanity of the world, and you you put all that aside for a minute. You get right back to yourself and go, "Is my money okay?" So when someone sits down to you, or says calls you, or emails you, or says, "Hey, Martin, can we talk?" and they sit down and they go, "Hey, I, so I'm down seven percent in a month. Am I okay?" What's your response? Yeah, and it's. I mean, I had that text message in my text message bank, um, you know, as I was walking in to, you know, to do the, to do the podcast. And, um, and the answer is, is as long as you stay out of it and you don't do anything and you don't cause yourself the permanent impairment by selling. Yes, you're okay. Even if this year ends up down, but you got to think like I'm, and I'm not being a, I'm not being flippant and I'm not being a smart ass. Neil, but like, when was the last time you had a negative year? I know the answer, but I bet you, I bet you, if I give you five seconds to recall it, you're going to struggle to recall the yeah. last time you had a negative return. Yeah, it's been Martin. I don't know. It's been a long time. Yeah, I mean, it has been a long time. And the year that you had a negative return, it was a slightly negative return. All it was a year when yeah, it wasn't panic inducing. All stocks were down. All bonds were down. Yeah, and you were down like two, three percent. wasn't a big. That's de- right. wasn't a big deal. That's right. And that's why you don't even remember it. But when was the last time you had you opened your your portfolio or your statement and you were like, "Oh my gosh, we lost a lot of money in a really short period of time." I can tell you exactly when that period was. Yeah, it was like Tuesday. That was. <laughs> well before oh. <laughs> before before this month <laughs> but it was uh, it was it was march and february of 2020 yeah that's true when COVID hit yeah and everyone panicked right and they're like oh my gosh what do we do what do we do and 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 all good advisors i don't care i don't care who you work for i don't care you know what your investment philosophy is all good advisors that were worth their weight at all told their clients take a breath 
we are not going to make any changes. We're not selling out of anything. We are going to, we are going to stay the course. And the advisors that told their clients to do that and those clients that listened, they ended the year with a very positive return. You know, it was, but, but the stock market was down 37% in between February and March of 2020. So if you made the decision to exit in March, if you were the most unlucky person in the world and you said, I can't handle the roller coaster, uh, I'm out. And, you know, you sell on March 23rd. So you sold at the bottom of the market and you said, I'm just going to sit in cash uh, until I feel better about it. You missed, you missed the, you missed the rebound. You locked in your losses and you missed the recovery. And even if you said, okay, in May or June, I'm comfortable getting back, you know, into the markets, you missed it because the week after January 23rd, January 24th through, I mean, I'm sorry, March 24th through, uh, you know, through the end of March, through April 1st, your portfolio, the return in the markets was like 10, 12%. I mean, you missed the bulk of the recovery. So the saying goes that time in the market is a much more efficient and better tool than timing the market. Because when you time, you have to be right twice. You got to be right when you exit and you've got to be right when you get back in. And most people, some people can be lucky enough to be correct on when they get out, but those people are very rarely correct on when they get back in. So it's, you know, take a breath. I know it sucks. It sucks for us as professionals too, because we're like, oh my God, I wish that we could do something about this. But a professional who set up a portfolio for a long-term investment outlook cannot get concerned with, you know, a 10% drawdown in the markets because those things happen quickly and frequently and you can't time those things. Now, what we did, and we have a we have an investment discipline at Pinnacle, where anytime the market gets down below, if it's down twenty percent or greater, we start buying more stock, which seems like the crazy thing to do, right? The market's falling, and you're going to buy more. Well, yeah, because when it gets when it's beyond down twenty percent, it's overdone. So we're gonna we're gonna back the truck up and and you know go to the bank once we load it up, which is what we did in March. Yeah, it's why I. It's it's why I allow myself to look at my statement and go, oh God, and then I very quickly go, nope, on to the next. I mean, I'm gonna I open up a podcast about the Thunder or something. I'm gonna listen talk, talk basketball for a minute. I I'm, I'm in it. I'm at this point. I mean, I'm I'm on the ride, right? So if, if the ride's going to crash, I'm in till the end. But history says that the ride's not going to crash. History says that this is just the part of the ride where you feel like your seatbelt's kind of loose, but it's really not. Yeah. And I'm glad that you're using that analogy because it's an analogy that I use. My mentor is the one who taught it to me, David Russell. And, uh, and he was like, look, what he'd tell clients is you are on a roller coaster ride. Now, depending on, you know, how the portfolio is positioned, your downhill may be, you know, a 91 degree drop that's 500 feet long, or it might be, you know, a 15% drop that's 20 feet long. You know, you might experience a different drop depending on how the portfolio is. But when you hire a professional, all you're doing is you're buying two tickets for the roller coaster ride, one for yourself and one for me. And my job is when we are going down the 91 degree drop that's 500 feet long is to keep your ass in the seat and say, dude, we're not bailing here. This is, this is when you die. If you bail, 
we bail when the ride ends, and yeah. the ride ends at death. And frankly, so. it's when you just sort of close your eyes, right? You just you just close and your throw eyes your hands and, up and go woo. Yeah, and just don't don't look. Is my, <laughs> I, I guess that's my point, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, just, you just close your eyes and don't look for a minute. And if you uh, if you trust the people that are like people like you guys at Pinnacle, you just kind of keep you kind of keep rolling along. And but you know, and look, and this isn't to criticize the people who panic. Because I, I, I get it. I get how someone could look at two or three months back in 2020 and go, oh, God. And then there's all this. I mean, you talk about misinformation, right? There is so much information out there about everything, about markets, about yeah. about Ukraine and Russia and COVID sure. and masks. And, and see, dude, I don't even know anything about Ukraine. I mean, I know about Ukraine and Russia, but, like, realistically – and this sounds also so flippant. Man, this is going to be, maybe this is the day of flippant comments. But is it going to impact the U.S. economy much if Ukraine and Russia get into a skirmish? I mean, probably not. Maybe we sell, maybe Lockheed Martin and Boeing sell more weapons or something like that. And I don't know, man. I mean, you know, conflicts, they'll, they'll have the fear factor, but then they just resolve themselves. And I mean, it's like the whole China. You remember when there was the U.S.-China tensions and all that stuff? It's those things just kind of they're they're headline news, but in the end, well, you ask you don't make investment decisions about it. So. No, you ask a question. So here's just kind of how does it affect us? This is again, my friends at the Wall Street Journal. Um, the headline <laughs> is stocks oil fall as Russia said to continue its troop buildup. This is by. Anna Hertenstein and what's up, Anna Gunjan Banerjee, I believe Gunjan Banerjee. Uh, Sorry, Gunjan. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Uh, intensifying geopolitical tensions weighed on stocks and bond yields Thursday, chipping away at major indexes gains for the week. The S and P 500 fell 1.4 percent, while the Dow Jones Industrial Average slipped 1.3 percent. The tech-focused Nasdaq Composite Index dropped 1.6 percent. The losses were broad-based, with 10 out of 11 of the S&P 500 groups declining. The Dow and S&P are on track to notch weekly losses, while the NASDAQ is headed for a slim gain. Stocks have come under pressure from the escalation in tensions between Russia and Western allies over Ukraine. The White House warned that a Russian invasion could be imminent, and diplomatic efforts so far have been inconclusive. The developments have whipsawed stocks throughout the week. I like that word. Moscow said it had pulled back some troops, which spurred a rally in markets earlier in the week. Western officials said Wednesday that Russia was actually continuing its military buildup. Here's the quote from Paul Jackson, global head of asset allocation research at Invesco. He says, we've got to put more focus on what's being done on the ground rather than what's being said. My presumption is that this will be sorted out diplomatically. If markets go down a lot more, then I would think it would be an opportunity to buy. Yep. How about that? U.S. economy strong, man. GDP five percent, S and P earnings growth supposed to be nine. That's a strong economy. We're talking about emotions now. And then here's a really good couple paragraphs that I've not seen anywhere else. I love the Wall Street Journal. I really do, man. I I got to give them credit. I, I I know people go there, whatever. I I never think of them as left wing, right wing, anything. I just sort of think of them as Hey, this is the closest I'm going to get in today's media to kind of like a, hey, Neil, sit down, have your cup of coffee, 
Let us tell you sort of what's going on in the world and what it means for you, and then you you can go from there and react or overreact or whatever you want to do. But here we go, right? I, I really feel like I get that from them in a way I get it from no one else. Uh, this is the same story, really well-written story, by the way. Their writing is so good. Um, he said he isn't expecting a major change from Russia while its ally, China, hosts the Winter Olympics. The games conclude this weekend, so, quote, we still have a little while to go before we can feel things have really dissipated on a permanent basis, Mr. Jackson said. Quote, in the interim, it's a propaganda game, end quote. The geopolitical tensions come at a time when investors have already been grappling with high inflation and preparing for the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates this year. These shifts have roiled the stock and bond markets for much of the year. So, again, our thanks to uh, Miss Hertenstein, and yeah. I would assume that's a male, uh, Gunjan, Mr. Banerjee, for their, their contributions to Mind on My Money today. Well, yeah, I mean, great job, guys. Welcome to the show. And, you know, the funny thing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you a, a little bit of a rabbit back to, and this all, it all ties in together, but a rabbit back to what we were talking about you know, at the beginning of the show where sure. you know, periods of work. Can, let's, can we play a little game? Yeah. On the, I love games. All right, so you, you, you have to guess, how about this? Um, I'm going to give you, no, I don't know. That might not be, that might not be a, a fun game. I'm going to give you, how about I give you the, the, the number that we, the markets were down during the year. And you, how about you just tell me whether the year ended positive or negative? I won't ask you to tell me the number does that sound good i'm going to give you the year and i'll tell you what the the largest drawdown or loss during the year was okay i got you and, I'll, and, and then, then i guess whether the ended year end positive or, or negative. negative got it got it okay all right so i'm going to give you a softball out of the gate okay okay i'm going to name the year and i'm going to tell you the amount the amount of losses in the market in the s&p 500 that year okay and you tell me positive or negative okay this one's a softball all right just to warm you up okay the year's 2008 okay the losses are down negative 49 percent the s&p dropped to 49 per down 49 percent during the year did the year end positive or negative 2008 it ended positive i'm gonna give you another chance on that begin the negative 2008 <laughs> yeah so that was the big daddy right so it was the year did end down negative thirty eight percent. Yeah, that was the year the Obama yeah. Obama won Financial election melt, and, and and the meltdown happened uh, with the final year of the Bush. Yeah, that led, to, that the, led like, to the movie that I like so much. Um, the Big Short. The Big Short. Or Too Big to Fail. Yeah. Which one? The Big Short was awesome. The, Steve uh, Carell. Uh, yeah, is that like one. the Big Short dudes. was a great movie. Yeah, yeah, great movie. Mm-hmm. All right, so the very next year we'll go two thousand nine. Because okay. remember the the world ended, you know, in two thousand eight financially. It was that was a crazy thing. So two thousand nine, the market was down twenty eight percent, negative twenty eight percent. So you opened your statement at some point, and you your hundred thousand dollars lost, you know, uh, twenty eight thousand bucks. Okay. Did the year end positive or negative? All right, guide me through that again. Two thousand nine. The worst, the biggest drawdown, the S&P was down 28% in yeah. 2009. Did yeah. the year end positive or negative? I think the year ended positive, right? Because Obama... Positive 23%. Yeah, we, we started saying, hey, this 
this was the the first couple of years of the Obama presidency when a lot of yeah. people thought, hey, this the, this guy's the great uniter. And the Fed got real active, uh-huh. brought interest rates down to zero, and tried to help for the markets recover. So, all right, you're 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 batting five hundred right now. Okay. All right, two thousand ten is the year. The biggest drawdown was negative sixteen percent. The S and P lost sixteen percent during the year. Did it end positive or negative? Uh, positive. You're correct. Positive thirteen percent. So at its low, it was down sixteen. It ended the year up thirteen. We'll do this a couple more times, okay? Because I think it's this is kind of a fun game. Uh, all right. So two thousand eleven, the very next year, okay. The S and P's down almost twenty percent at its lows. Did the year end positive or negative? This is kind of a trick question. Yeah, because I'm trying to. I'm, I always do things. I can't help it. I, I start thinking politics. Um, so it's 2011. It's the year before Obama runs against Romney for re-election. I'm going to guess it went negative. It was actually flat. It okay. wasn't either. It was zero percent. Well, I still but you were down twenty percent in the year, and it ended down zero. Okay. So let's call that a positive because you didn't lose money. Because if you I recall correctly, that sort of set the tone right for 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 Romney to sort of run a, a an economics based campaign. Yeah, where, hey, he's kind of telling people this guy's this guy's about to wreck you financially because that's really all he could do on Obama because he was so popular socially. So he needed something to sink his claws into. And if I recall correctly, he he tried to do the hey, I've run a government before, I've run the Olympics yeah. and stuff, Olympics, and, and yeah. I know how to manage know money. Yeah. Yep, you're spot on. All right, 2012, very next year. Mm-hmm. The lows were down 10%. Did it end positive or negative? I'm almost positive it ended positive. It ended positive, up 13. Yeah. All right, 2013, the low was down 6%. Only 6%. Did it end positive or negative? First year. Of, I, mean, I mean, I could be wrong here. This is just a guess but because I, I don't recall. Isn't it funny? I recall 11 and 12 better than I do 13. I guess because 13 was the first year of a presidency. I don't, I'm trying to remember the 14 midterms, what happened. I'm going to guess it ended positively. It did. Big Daddy positive. It was up 30%. Oh, wow. Okay. It was down six and ended up 30. That's right. Because Obama, in, he took a hit in the first midterm. And then in the second term, they I think. Had, he had uh, one little year that was a blemish. His, his, one little one. Yeah, his party did pretty well in, in the his second term midterms. And then. Things kind of went sideways in 15 and 16. Yeah, so, well, we skipped a year. So 2014, and I'll kind of speed through these since you get 15, 16. 2014, the markets were down 7%. Year, it ended up 11. Okay. 20, uh, 2015. Was, 2015. This is going to be interesting to me because. down 12%, and we ended slightly positive we were, i mean slightly negative we were down one percent i was gonna say that you start this is it's fascinating and I, I i think this stuff is fascinating other people might be like oh god one day history will look back and write a book about how we got here to this place in american divisiveness and i actually think that the year that it began was 2015 I think Maybe if that you, was when I think if you go back and you trace 
how we got here to this place where we all hate each other, where we label each other. We do. We do. The world's nasty. I talk to people all the time, and everybody's like, yeah, you know what? People aren't as friendly as they were a few years ago, and everyone goes pandemic. And I'm like, nah, it's deeper than pandemic. It's yeah. deeper than pandemic. It, it goes back, and then people go, it's Trump. And I'm like, well, it is a lot Trump for sure. sure. A path had to be created in so many ways, right, for America to elect a guy like Trump. And that's not me criticizing Trump. I'm, I'm kind of on record as I, I think he was a caustic yet effective president. Uh, but something had to happen to pave the way from this shift from, if you think about it, kind of moderates like George H.W. Bush. Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, Barack Obama, really. I mean, Barack Obama was far more far left than Clinton, but, but he didn't run that way. He didn't operate until the end. He didn't operate that way either. He, I, he operated as a moderate. And so something had to happen starting in 2015, and, and the market's taking a little bit of a hit, people getting a little scary, set up set up a path for where we got to today. I, I I think I think blaming just Trump or blaming just the pandemic is is really short-sighted. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of things that happen, you know, inside of the years too. And some of it has to do with politics and some of it has to do with, you know, other things that 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 do drive markets, but uh, a lot of what decisions, I mean, what drives markets are people's it's the markets are really good fear indicators or joy indicators too. Cause when people are feeling very, you know, pessimistic about what's going on, you know, markets drop. And when people are optimistic, you know, markets tend to do well. And it's very emotional, even though the math behind how a business makes money or what the value of a business is, has absolutely zero to do with whether someone is optimistic or pessimistic about, you know, their environment, but it, but it overrides the, the math, which trips me out sometimes. So, um, I do want to, I know you've got a hard stop. I'm going to just roll through these last few and I'll tell you the depth, the depth and then how they ended versus making you guess. Okay. So 2016, and this was a, a chart done by JP Morgan, which is really awesome. 2016, the drawdown was 11%. The, the year ended positive 10, uh, 2017, the drawdown was was down three percent. Um, the markets ended up twenty. Uh, twenty eighteen, markets were down twenty percent. The year ended down six. That was the one I asked you in the beginning of the show. Do you remember the last time you had a a loss? And I meant for the year. And you said, yeah, it was Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> um, so twenty nineteen, we were down seven percent at our lowest. Ended the year up thirty. 2020, obviously, that was what we just referred to, uh, the March, February, March of COVID hitting. You know, we were down um, in the upper 30s. The year ended positive 16%. And then last year, uh, we drew down 5% at our lows. And the year ended for the S&P up 27. And then right now, I'm going to guess the S&P is probably down in the 10% range that's probably at the right. moment. That's probably right. Um, I haven't looked at the numbers, you know, today. And, and, and the, and the S and P has been swinging 
pretty drastically. Like if you look at the days, the percentage that's swinging up and down, you know, it's, it's been, you know, pretty big chunks, you know, it'd be down 2% up 1%. It's not little bitty. It's it's not little bitty small chunks. It's, it's, it's down 1.05% and dropping as we speak today. Yeah. And so the funny thing is, is, you know, I kind of watch this stuff all day. Yesterday, markets opened down we know we were down the dow's down like 400 points at its low and then as the day progresses you get to the very end and it's like it ends up being flat or slightly positive that's what happened with the s&p yesterday so you know it just depends on when people look at like if yesterday morning you looked at the tv at i'm just going to make a number up here neil you looked at the tv at nine o'clock in the S&P's down 1%, you might be like, you know, oh my God, uh, markets are in our shit today. And then I look, I don't see the TV until, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon. And it's like the S&P ended flat. I'm like, okay, eh, just, you know, it was a, a, not a very busy day in the markets today. And our perspectives would be totally different. And neither of us are wrong, right? It just depends on when we looked at it and then how we so react. I'm, so I'm curious because I'm always curious, but people will ask me sometimes like, what would you have done if you didn't go into journalism? And my, my stock answer is I would have been an attorney because I think I would have really enjoyed law. My second answer, believe it or not, Martin, is I would do what you do. Man, there's always a spot for you at Pinnacle, man. Well, you never know. If you, <laughs> if you hang the boots up at, you know, at MPW, then, uh, you know, I will, we've got a, we can establish the Oxford office, man. I mean, if you want to talk numbers, we probably could pull something off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I would, well, and so I'd be curious here, like when you when you're watching the markets through the course of a day. Yeah, I don't. So I'm gonna answer your question right there. Okay, if, go if, ahead. You if, can finish your you can finish your question. If you were to, do you look at the overall market, or do you go inside for looking for certain stocks or certain um, genres, if you will? Yeah. Well, and the short answer to your question is I don't. I don't look. Sure. During the day, and we make no decisions based off of what happens, you know, during the day. But what can happen is, you know, you can look at some things because not not all things, not all stocks are created equal either. Um, you know, the S and P five hundred today is very weighted towards technology, whereas you know a decade ago, or two decades ago, it was very weighted towards you know energy or oil stocks. Um, so, you know, if I looked at the S&P 500, let's just, I'm going to make up a scenario. Let's say that they, you know, the Fed comes out and says, hey, interest rates are going up. Inflation is high. Without even looking at the market in my head, I'm going to go, okay, technology stocks are going to be down because tech stocks use a lot of leverage to grow their businesses. So they have, they use a lot of debt. So the cost of debt is going to go up, which means that their earnings numbers are going to be you know, even smaller if they have any, or their losses are going to be bigger because they have, you know, larger debt responsibilities. Uh, and then I'm going to say, I'm going to expect the tech sector to be down. Tech sector is a large part of the S&P. It's all of almost all of the NASDAQ. So the NASDAQ is going to be down and it's a large part of the S&P 500. So the S&P is probably going to be down, but you know, companies that are in the Dow and the Dow is only made up of 30 stocks. So, and they are, gen they are generally like, you know, cash flowing uh, companies that don't necessarily rely on debt, you know, to do what they need to do every day. And I would say, you know, it probably has less of an impact on a, you know, a company like Walmart or, you know, Disney that, uh, that doesn't require, 
you know, a ton of debt to they're cash rich. They don't require a ton of debt to operate and they're more attractive to, um, you know, to an, to an investor who's looking for income and, uh, and might not be making money in, in their bonds. So I can, you know, think, say all those things in my head and then look at the market and go, okay, that makes, that makes sense for what I would have thought. But then sometimes I look at the market and I have, I go, I have no idea why I crapped the bed today and no one can explain it. You know, and the talking heads will try to, they'll try to call it, you know, tensions here. Uh, you know, Bob said, blah, 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 and markets crash or blah, blah. And truth of the matter is that sometimes they think the market just does what the market does because people need cash or people have cash. There's not a reason, you know, there was no event that caused the market to move, but the talking heads have to explain everything away. They can't just be like, well, I don't know why the markets did what they did today. They just did it. That's not a very good answer. No, you know, and sometimes it's a, (laughs) it's funny in journalism, people, people have gotten mad at me when someone will ask a question and I'll just say, I don't know. Yeah. I think that's a great answer. And, but when you don't know, I can't begin to tell you how many people are like, Hey, no one's paying for you to say, I don't know. And I'm like, but if I don't know, I'd rather pay for truth. If I don't know, I don't know. Like I can, I can try to find out. I can talk to some people, but like someone will say, Hey, is Ole Miss recruiting so-and-so in the transfer portal? I don't know. That doesn't mean I'm never going to know, or I won't make an effort to find out, but it means at this very moment, I don't know. And someone will say, well, you know, there's a connection there. Okay. Well, so what? That doesn't necessarily mean anything. I mean, there, there might be a, Oh, he's got a teammate who used to play it. So that doesn't, that, sometimes that means something. Sometimes it doesn't. I'll try to find out. That approach is, um, is often, often I found, uh, I don't want to label people. I'm going to be careful here. Most journalists, including journalists who cover markets are, um, from one particular bent of life. And sure. I have discovered that people who lean that direction typically prefer to be the smartest person in the room. And the smartest person in the room never doesn't know. So I think that's where some of that comes from. But you know, man, talking I, I respect someone so much more when they can look at me and say, you know, man, I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, but, but I you're, but you're a person, Martin. Who you make, when you, I find you, out, I'll, I'll let you know. You make fun of yourself, right? You laugh at yourself. Yeah. You, you joke oh, about yourself. I do too. Like, I, I mean, I talk about myself in a way that like – People, I, I know they call it self-deprecating humor or something like that. Yeah, I mean, and with me, it's kind of it's just generally how I sort of think about myself. I don't think I'm in. I, I don't think I'm some big deal. I, I'm, I'm I mean, not. I think you're a big deal, Neil. I, well, you're I kind. Think you're a cool dude. But you know what I'm saying. I don't. And but I but I I, I think, but I'm in the minority in my field. I mean, a dramatic minority. And and I think most of the people in my field. Are sort of the other way, and frankly, most of them have very inflated views of themselves. And um, and listen, that might lead to a happier existence. I don't know, but but I think it. I don't think so. But I think it prevents them from saying, "I don't know what this means." Yeah, it prevents rigorous honesty, which is a trait that I completely respect, and especially another human that's giving me advice about something. Like if I go to my doctor. And they run tests and there's something going on. I'd rather him tell me, you know what, man, I really don't know. We're going to try to figure this thing out, but I don't know. Rather than going, oh, you know what? It's, um, 
it's just high blood pressure just to give me a label about something. I'm like, no, man, let's, let's not be lazy and just find something that sounds, you know, somewhat good and, and pop it in there. Like, let's, if you don't know, just say, I don't know. I respect it a whole lot more. Yeah, of course. I mean, just, you know, tell me anyway, the truth. Sorry, I got, I'll get off the side. No, it's, well, it's, I, I was, I've been following this, um, you know, the major, speaking of, you know, labor disagreements, the Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association don't have a labor deal right now. And so spring training was supposed to begin this week and it has not begun. And they're meeting again today. And, and one of the questions was, well, you know, what's, what's, what's on the table and, and, um, you know, how far apart are they? And is there any reason for optimism? And I had a lot of respect for a couple of the national journalists who were like, there's a lot on the table. They're very far apart. Neither side is budging. And right now, as of this moment, there is no sign, There is no reason for real optimism. Fair enough. It's not what I want to hear. I want there to be baseball. Right. But I'd rather be told that, hey, there's a real chance there's not going to be baseball. Or it might not start on time. And, and frankly, it might not start at all. At which point might be a topic for a summer show if there's no baseball season. How do you rebuild a business when you shut the business down? How do you how do you well, reopen? Yeah, we, had, we kind of experienced that in COVID too. How do you restart the engine when you turn it off? Kind of like a diesel, man. It doesn't just crank right back up. Yeah, it's it's a funny thing with sports too. Like you just you know, we just had the Super Bowl. NFL's wildly popular. Yeah. Um you know, you look at young people. Young people don't watch baseball right now. Young people, young people don't talk about Major League Baseball the way they did when I was 15, when you were 15. When you and I were 15 years old, Major League Baseball, even the Braves if, here in Jackson. Yeah, even if you didn't. Everybody's on the Braves. Even if you didn't like it, but you knew players, right, around the, around the yeah. league. Yeah, you did. Baseball players Absolutely. today are not household names in the way that football players are, in the way that no, NBA players right. are, in the way that, frankly, because of, technology and access to things the way that some of the european soccer stars are in in america today and if you're baseball can you afford to not have a season and do do they do do they have labor this if it feels like they have labor disputes more than any other professional sport for whatever reason yeah well it's it's probably because the you know the the other the other leagues the the public yeah well no they just get it done Okay. I Baseball, for whatever reason, allows their labor agreements to get to the bitter end before anybody goes, hey, you know what? We probably ought to negotiate. We probably ought to sit down at the table. It, it's it's the sales guy letting the sales contract expire and then going to the company and going, hey, you guys want to want to do something else? Instead of, you know, two or three months out going, hey, you know, our agreement's almost up. How do you feel? Yeah. I, you want to? Let's love to it, renew it. Yeah, we'd love to renew this here. Uh, are you interested? and. You know, yep, that makes sense. So that makes sense. Kind of what on a small scale, it's kind of what baseball does, and then they they look up and there's so much angst, and they hate each other. And boy, when you hate each other, it's hard to go to the table and budge. And the players hate the owners, and the owners appear to hate the players, which is crazy. And so they sit at the table, and the truth is, and then the public is out there going, "These damned owners." Yeah, it's like a divorce. It is um, it, on you know on, on so view for the world. It is like having two divorced, d- two divorcing people 
And not only are you trying to get them to agree on how you divide everything and who sees the kids win, but we also want you to get back together, remarry, and love one another. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Well, that's not going to happen. And so that's <laughs> that becomes the problem is that you're forcing them into the at, at the table and they're just staring daggers at one another, you know. And that's so I don't know. Anyway, Neil, I have a I have a really good idea for us. Okay. If for whatever reason you decide to get you know out of journalism and I decided to no longer uh, you know help people with their finances, we need to start a consulting firm and just go very logically simply solve the world's problems. Oh, I thought you were going to say we'd be we'd be billionaires. I thought you were going to say become divorce attorneys. We, oh no! no we God, look him no. in the eye and go, "You guys, no, 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 no. you guys, no, no, no. <laughs> I, dude, I, I, no, 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 because I would just be like, "Look, guys, this is, this is, uh, this is, this is, we're done." Yeah, I'm how did you guys ever? <laughs> how did you guys ever get together in the first place? Out of curiosity, like, you know what? I what were you be thinking? Like the worst divorce attorney in the world. I'd be like, you know what, dude, you're a jerk, and you were with this other chick, and now you're trying to punish her and no nah, dude you're done like you just need to write a check yeah that would not make you a very good attorney no i would it suck would. at being a divorce attorney i'd i'd be too honest and and i'd probably look at the dude and be like bro you want me to try to cover up what you did no nah, we're gonna we're gonna say what you did and you're gonna pay for it <laughs> on that note so i'm not trying to pick on dudes yeah uh on that note, it will let you go back to doing what you do best, which is advising yeah, I think I people. To, I, need, I think I need to markets. continue running a yeah. financial planning firm and serving my clients and helping them solve their problems as it relates to finances. I will say, as, not, as not divorce. I have this page up, and I've been watching the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Literally in the last five minutes, it's gone to minus 1.15, and now as we wrap up, it's at minus 1.02. You could drive yourself insane just staring at that number all day. Yeah, don't do it. And that's and man, that's actually what I tell clients is, you know, don't watch the news. Don't open, especially if you're young, don't open your statement, especially if it's a retirement account, because you you can't you can't pull the money out now anyway. And 30 years from now, when you're ready to retire, it's not no one's going to remember about the Russia, Ukraine, con unless it turned into World War Three. And then people would remember it. But no one's going to remember that. No one's going to remember about, you know, inflation being, you know, 7% for, for a year. It's, no one's going it, to, it'll, it'll be in a textbook, but people aren't going to talk about it. It's not going to impact your life 30 years from now. Yeah. I'll shut up. All right. We will stop there. Thanks again to everybody for making us a part of your week. About 45 minutes here on them, which I think is kind of a perfect podcast length for a yeah. show like this one. Uh, thanks Sorry, for late, man. No, it's all good. It all worked out. No one will ever, no one would have ever known if you hadn't told, um, well, if they know that we record at 10 and you timestamped us at 1022. That's true. We were late <laughs> I don't because think Martin, anyone, Martin I don't think any of our listeners care that much to know I would hope that not. we're supposed to record at 10 a.m. on Thursday. I don't think they do. I don't, I, don't, I don't think they live in that world. I know people no. who do live in that world, and I don't know how they do it, but, but good for them. All right. Bless their heart. Yeah, well, exactly. So the Southern sign-off. Bless your heart. All right, so, yeah, so, that's uh, the Southern middle finger, right? Yep. So bless y'all's hearts <laughs> out there. Yeah, not the middle finger. Just, uh, hey, it's going to be okay. It's going to – I catch myself when, like, one of my girls will say something. You can tell they're stressed out. I get off the phone with them. Like, I look at Laura. I'm like, bless her heart. I don't even know what that means. I don't even – it's just kind of like – It know, just comes out of your mouth. It's going to be all right. That's, it's going to be all right. I've caught myself just saying that. That's like my new life motto with the kids when some, there's crisis is it's going to be okay. Yeah. It's going to be okay. It doesn't – It will. Or it doesn't matter. Like, 
it's so funny, you know, <laughs> I've got to go, I know, but I catch myself with a test just going, hey, just do the best you can, study, Yeah, do the best you can, it's going to be all right. And That's all I ever ask And if they come kids. back with a 60 on it, they just made a 60. What damn difference? And who am I to judge, right? It's going to be all right. We're going to get through it. I mean, you're not at MIT. You're at Arkansas or wherever. And it's just, it's fine. It's what I, just go have fun. Have a nice weekend. Be young. That has become my life advice. It's, I don't know whether that makes me father of the year or the worst father ever. And, and I think nah, you could probably argue either way. It All right. Definitely makes your father of the year. We'll stop there. Thanks for uh, your time, Martin. Thanks for you, you guys out there in the uh, in the cybersphere listening to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Please do us a favor and uh, tell a friend, hit the like button, stuff like that. And yeah. um, don't do that. don't forget to get in touch with uh, the people at Pinnacle. It's mypinwealth.com, M Y P I N N wealth.com, info at mypinwealth.com. For Martin Palomo, I'm Neil McCready. Until next time, take care. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.